what's up with this love and light shit? Yeah, it's kind of like, what do those words even mean without the embodiment? Right, when people say love and light, I'm sort of like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) I'm Kayla Nelson, a holistic coach in both wellness and business, and a healer and educator of Lyme disease. I'm Jessica Jean Muir. I'm a personal empowerment guide through my work as a yoga teacher, trauma-informed body worker, and group facilitator. You're listening to Love, Light, and Go Fuck Yourself, the podcast. Welcome back to Love, Light, and Go Fuck Yourself. This is Kayla, and sitting here with Jessica, and we have a really wonderful guest on today. So, yes, very excited to introduce her in just a moment. But before that, Kayla and I just wanted to make you guys aware of some of the cool stuff we've got coming up in the next couple of months. So I just announced that I am holding my very first um, multiple day and night women's retreat and the dates of that will be April 3rd which is a Friday to April 5th which is a Sunday so it's going to be three days two nights it's going to be at Joyful Journey Hot Springs in Moffat Colorado Moffat Moffat I don't know M-O-F-F-A-T Moffat Colorado (laughs) Um, and I was just there yesterday um, and it was it's just such an incredible space it's in this valley and there's a view of the mountains and the stars are super bright and the hot springs are freaking incredible um so at the retreat we'll be doing circle work daily yoga meditation daily ecstatic dance um there'll be massage therapy we'll be using the hot springs every single day there'll be three beautiful meals it's just gonna be an incredible time and also not to brag, but the people that come to my stuff are incredible. So the level of community that's also going to be present at this offering is going to be fantastic. So if you're looking for a nice way to revive yourself, to get back in touch with yourself and community after a long winter, which can be rough, you should definitely hop onto my website, shaktisoulcollective.com and claim your space for this, this amazing retreat I'm so excited and yeah yeah so excited for that it'll be amazing um yes and with me um I'm opening up some spaces to work with individuals or couples uh male and female um in the space of embodiment work through the lens of tantra so what that looks like is Breathwork, meditation, uh, reflection, and doing your inner work and process so that you can connect with yourself and then take that connection out into the world with you to grow your energetic bubble and enhance your experience and deepen your connection. So um, if you're interested in talking about that, you can hit me up on my website, sagenourishment.com. Or go to my Instagram, I am Kayla Nelson, and DM me there. Sweet. Hope yeah. to see you guys at some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So today, um, we've got one of my favorite people. 
um, that I know. She is just such a force and so passionate and real and grounded and an incredible human. So I'm just like thrilled and honored to have her voice here on this podcast and what she's going to be talking about today is a topic that is really near and dear to my heart and the hearts of so many female identifying folks that I work with Um, and so it feels really poignant to have her here now especially kind of in this climate that we're all living in and up against right now. So to have a voice of hope of information is feels really beautiful so (laughs) that's my long-winded sentimental intro but here is the actual intro so this is Piper Boniquist and she is one of the core organizers of the Colorado Doula Project she has been involved in reproductive health and social justice work in some many different forms since 2010. So just a little bit about the Colorado Doula Project. CDP is a grassroots nonprofit volunteer-based collective of full-spectrum doulas and reproductive justice advocates. They work for reproductive justice for all individuals and families regardless of sex, gender, identity, sexual orientation, race, ethnicity, class, and background. Many of their clients travel from out of state to access Colorado's third trimester abortion clinic, which is one of the only safe, compassionate, and secure clinics of its kind in the United States. CDP is proud to offer free emotional, physical, logistical, and even financial support for anyone accessing reproductive services in Colorado, primarily abortions. In a society that continually threatens people's autonomy, they provide vital advocacy, compassionate education, and non-judgmental support to protect the bodily sovereignty of all people. And I just want to read um, their vision and mission because that's really beautiful. We envision a world where all people have the information, resources, and power to make informed decisions about their bodies and lives, where the ability to make decisions about parenting and reproductive health is regarded as a deeply personal human right. We provide and increase access to non-judgmental, compassionate, and empowering doula support for individuals across the full spectrum of their reproductive experiences with a specific focus on abortion. Mm, My heart. So, hi Piper. Hi. (laughs) That's the first time that I've heard our uh, vision and mission read out loud and I feel a little teary. Yeah. Yeah. As you should, I mean, so beautiful. So important. I'm happy to mirror the importance of the work that you're doing back to you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course. (laughs) Yeah, so would you share with us a little bit about your why? What brought you to this work? This is such important, controversial, deep work that you're doing. So you know, would you share with us a little bit about your journey and your experience and how CDP came to be and all of those things? Yeah. So, um, I was thinking about this last night. I imagined that you would probably ask me something similar (laughs) and I was like, all right, what am I going to say? Um, and I realized that 
being passionate about um, abortion access and reproductive health and reproductive justice is been something that's just always been true for me I can't pinpoint a time or an experience that was like oh now I understand how important this is it just it's something that's always been true for me it's like I have curly hair I have two hands and I think abortion access is really important (laughs) um yeah so um and I've often wondered if that's some kind of like ancestral connection or past life thing that's showing up now for me Um, but so my first experience kind of, um, organizing or working in the reproductive rights field was in 2010. Um, I had a summer internship before my senior year of college with, um, the political arm of the Planned Parenthood in, um, central New York. And, um, then my first job out of college was as a hotline counselor for the National Abortion Federation. Yeah, it was intense. (laughs) And um, I've worked at two different Planned Parenthoods. I've worked at one in Boston and one in Boulder. Um, And then I moved to Boulder from Boston in um, August of 2014. And in the spring of 2015, I got involved with Colorado Doula Project which um, at that time was a very informal, very grassroots group of um, full-spectrum doulas and people who support um, abortion access and wanted to learn more about being a full-spectrum doula. Um, Colorado Doula Project itself started, I believe, in 2012 um, and then took a brief hiatus after the floods in Boulder in 2013 um and came back in the spring of 2015 and that's when I got involved um and so for the first year or so um it was really just like a group of friends hanging out in each other's backyards once a month talking about our hopes and dreams um (laughs) as many things begin begin. and um then about a year later we had our first big event which was a fundraiser it was super successful um And then about a year after that, we held our first abortion doula training. Um, And we've been holding that once a year since. Um, It's we really want to try and um, hold it more than once a year because the the demand has been so high, which is amazing. Um, And also speaks to, I think, how hungry people are to do something um, and to contribute. Um, we hear a lot about how well-funded and well-organized the anti-abortion groups are. Mm. And I know for me it was really discouraging because that was all I was hearing is they have so much money and they're so well-funded and look at how many people are at their marches. Right. And it kind of felt like it was this big monolith that just these tiny little groups were trying to fight against. Um, yeah. And so one of the one of my favorite things about working with Colorado Doula Project is getting connected with other groups around the country who are doing the same work and realizing that like we have a network too oh my gosh, yeah. and we can support each other and we're not we're not alone totally. in doing this yeah which thank god yeah thank god well <laughs> it's not sustainable no if you're doing it alone totally and we were talking about this before we started recording but 
a number of years ago, I had an abortion and then a miscarriage shortly after. And it just set me on this whole path of realizing how important access to these services are. And it was like radio silence out there. Mm -hmm. I found a couple of websites that were like inactive. Their last post had been a number of years ago. I sent out emails and received no responses. Um, And actually the Colorado Doula Project was one of the first organizations that I found that act that seemed to be active and speaking out. And so it gave me so much hope. And, you know, as you know, speaking with you and hearing about your experience and seeing how many of these organizations are cropping up and becoming more visible gives me so much hope because I needed this service and I didn't have access to it at the time. So for people who are listening who maybe don't have much experience with abortion or even what it means to be a doula, will you share a little bit about what the abortion doula is, what it looks like and the importance of it? Why is it so needed? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, So broadly, the definition of a doula is a support person. Um, I think it's most commonly known as a term um, for someone who's a birth doula, who supports people through the process of giving birth and for a little bit postpartum. Um, And so what an abortion doula is, is the same idea, but for someone who's terminating their pregnancy. And so the main thing to know about any type of doula, birth, abortion, death, otherwise, is that they're not a medical professional. Mm. And so we don't give medical advice. Um, But what we are is a support person. And that can be emotional support. That can be physical support. That can be informational support. That can be logistical support. Um, So one of the main projects of the Colorado Doula Project is called the Abortion Support Network. And so we, um, for the most part, we've been asked to um, help people with transportation to and from clinics or um, for people who are traveling from out of state to access abortion in Colorado, um, rides from the airport to their hotel and back. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also, um, if someone needs a companion at their appointment during a clinic, if their partner or a family member isn't available or if they haven't told anyone in their life we can be a confidential um, source of support for them Um, an informational source of support if someone needs to talk through you know I want an abortion but I don't know which kind is going to be right for me because there's a couple different ways that the procedure can happen Um, we can do that and um, I think that it's so important because abortion is still so stigmatized in our society and I can't you know over the last nine years that I've been working in abortion care and reproductive rights I can't tell you how many times I've heard I can't talk to anyone about this I feel like I'm the only person who has ever had to go through this Mm -hmm. and the latest statistic that I've heard is that one in three people capable of getting pregnant will have at least one abortion in their lifetime. And that's self-reported statistics. So there are people who have had abortions who aren't saying that they have when people are collecting this data. So it's such a common experience, but it's so stigmatized and it's not talked about that so many of these third, one third of people who can get pregnant are saying, 
I feel like I'm the only person who've ever, who's ever gone through this. Mm-hmm. And so to have a support person there who can say, you're not alone. So many people have been in this situation. And what do you need to get through this? Yeah. And I'm here to help you get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my wow. God. Yeah, so incredible. So you are in your work actively working to remove this really big stigma so like what are some of the some of the pushback that you've seen or like what is your view on why this is so stigmatized I mean that's a big question but I'm just curious as somebody who has has worked in and around this topic for so many years what does that kind of look like to you? Like, what is that stigma? What's your view on that? I think there's a couple different directions I can go in answering this question. And... Well, and even if it's helpful to say, like, these are all the fingers that come off of this stigma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what you were just saying like the history of it and the blah 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 and the blah 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 and and then like I'm just gonna choose one to talk about right now that feels like the most important or two or whatever it is so to help totally. like lift off that pressure of like yeah. having to answer the whole thing mm-hmm. for everyone in this <laughs> TED talk I yes. will yeah <laughs> exactly yeah the thing that's coming up the most for me is that um when Roe v. Wade was decided back in 1973, um, I think that there was kind of this sense of, okay, it's done. Yeah. And um, for the anti-abortion groups and the uber-religious people who are super opposed to abortion, um, they immediately started organizing. And for a long time, they were focusing on how can we get Roe v. Wade overturned. Right. And then um, they kind of changed tax and were like, well, Roe v. Wade is somewhat untouchable for us right now. So how do we start chipping away at abortion access? Because it doesn't matter if abortion is legal if the closest clinic to you is 300 miles away and there's a 72-hour waiting period. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, not even to consider, like, do you have access to a car? Exactly. Do you have money for transportation? Exactly. Do you have someone who will take you? Childcare. Can you right. take that time off of work? Yes, all of exactly. it. So, um, and this is what I was saying before, where it's like, it feels like it's this huge monolith because it's like, yeah, like, they they've been shipping away for decades and be and specifically because it was a little bit here and a little bit there people didn't really know that it was happening yeah and then even once we did start realizing it was happening it was like oh yeah like the ohio state legislature is considering a six-week abortion ban like that's crazy but i live in colorado and i have and like access to abortion in colorado isn't as restricted so like that sucks but like Right. It's Ohio. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, we kind of, I think a lot of people woke up around, and I want to say a lot of, like, privileged people. Right. 
That's a, so important yeah. in this conversation. Like a lot of upper middle class white people yeah. woke up around 2014 and were like, oh my God, what's happening? Or just white people. No money yeah. even mm-hmm. involved right. in that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like women of color and people of color have been organizing for reproductive justice for decades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the mainstream abortion rights narrative that's not mentioned and that's not respected right um and so because the anti-abortion side has been organizing since the early 1970s and because they're so well funded i think the um the pro-abortion and i don't like to say like pro-life pro-choice because right. that's it's very oversimplified way to talk about it um yeah it's kind of propaganda in its own right just that title. exact exactly like telling you what to think yeah. and that's an example of of what i'm um bringing up is that the pro-abortion side kind of got put on the defensive right and it's like mm. we've allowed the the discourse about abortion to be like determined by the anti-abortion side and so i think that that is where a lot of the stigma comes from is because we're saying oh but like it's such a hard decision for Mm -hmm. every single person who's gonna have an abortion and oh like of course it's a baby and like we would then and you know they don't they don't feel pain before viability and it's like it's it's a way it's we've been backed into this corner of like it's a necessary evil it's not a good thing like yeah that thing, abortions should be safe legal and rare right mm-hmm. it's health care right mm-hmm. it's health care it's mm-hmm. like dive deeper into that yeah <laughs> like what when you say it's health care what do, what does that mean to you yeah. what does that mean in your in your work yeah yeah what it means to me is that it's not it's not something to be ashamed of like this this kind of stigma is not attached to like any other medical procedure, procedure <laughs> cancer treatment or like like literally anything and even like a pap smear even a pap smear which, you know, it starts to delve into that realm of like, oh, that's my like reproductive area. So then exactly. it starts to get all weird. Exactly. Yeah. And um, like to me, the understanding of abortion is, and you know, it's, it gets convoluted because like, yeah, the rate of abortion goes down when access to affordable birth control goes up. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like this issue is so interconnected with so many Mm -hmm. issues of Mm -hmm. class and of access to health services and just Mm -hmm. so much. So it's, it's impossible to be like, it's this one siloed thing. It's, it's interwoven with every like sociological thing. Mm -hmm. Well, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say like hearing you say that just um, like blew my mind open a little bit more on preventative care right prevention like what you're just hitting on there is is prevention like with birth control safe sex talking about sex having open conversations that like that's what happens naturally between 
human beings (laughs) and in the animal world like it is a natural process right and then also thinking about the other aspects of our healthcare as it goes to like chronic illness and disease you know we also don't have that education either to know how to take care of ourselves from the root of being human of eating three times a day and like what that means so it's like we have this huge systemic problem in a humanity of any kind of actual self-care slash preventative care to actually encourage a healthy you know internal ecosystem um and especially then when we start getting into sex and sexuality right like that's the thing that has always baffled me is like the administrations who typically condemn abortion or they you know are trying to get rid of our abortion rights Mm -hmm. are the same administration that don't want to pay welfare Mm -hmm. so they don't want to pay for the children that are born to often lower class lower Mm -hmm. socioeconomic status people so they don't want to pay for social services Mm -hmm. they don't want to have sex ed in school Mm -hmm. they don't want to keep Planned Parenthood open which Mm -hmm. is a one of the very few organizations who provide free birth control Mm -hmm. so to me there's like a huge disconnect and I it always just confuses me because it's like pick one you get one and And even education they don't want to pay for education there is no support in yeah yep and this, what you guys are touching on is is like, you're kind of peeking underneath the the facade of like the anti-abortion movement or the quote-unquote pro-life right. movement. Mm. It's not actually about what they say it's about. Mm-hmm. Because if you want fewer abortions, what are you going to do? You're going to educate. Educate. You're going to have comprehensive sex education and you're going to have free access to birth control. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have free early childhood education yes free daycares Mm -hmm. and they don't do that because it's not Mm -hmm. about that it's about controlling the reproductive capabilities of Mm -hmm. people who can get pregnant right and what happens economically when a person does get pregnant that is an enormous life challenge there like even if you have money right and yeah it locks people into a cycle of poverty right totally absolutely it's yeah it's a way of keeping people under the government's thumb. Exactly. It's a way yeah. of maintaining the class stratification in our society. Mm-hmm. So have you heard any any logical response to that that view? You know, like, have you heard anyone from that side be met with that, what we just talked about? And ha- have you heard them respond with anything that makes sense or is logical or acknowledges that strange relationship? Because I don't think I have, but I also don't know that I've been looking. Yeah, so no, but I don't talk to people who are like militantly anti-abortion. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, and, you know, there's a difference between being personally anti-abortion and knowing that like if you ever got pregnant you would not choose abortion Mm -hmm. and then trying to prevent other people from accessing that choice and that's that's where I have a problem like I'm fine if someone has a personal um personally is against abortion Mm -hmm. but once you start trying to meddle in other people's lives is where like I'm no longer okay with that Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's what we're talking about is where 
people no longer have agency over their bodies, over their lives, over their opportunities in life. All of those things get squashed. Exactly. And I want to bring up um, the term reproductive justice itself um, is a term that was coined by black women Mm -hmm. um, in 1994, um, specifically an organization called Sister Song. Um, and so reproductive justice is not, um, an interchangeable term with abortion access or reproductive health or reproductive rights. Mm -hmm. It's specifically, it's an intersectional approach and it specifically speaks to the like intersecting axes of oppression that, um, people face, especially black women face Mm -hmm. of and it's economic. It's not just about like, can I get to the clinic? Mm-hmm. It's about, do I have the money, like we were saying, for travel and for the procedure and for the childcare? And do I have like the social support to make this decision? And yeah. do I have the education to know that this is something that I can choose and that it's it's available to me? Yeah. So it's it's not just about access. It's a it's a sociological question of like. Mm-hmm in all of these different areas of life, do I have the information and the ability mm-hmm. to make this choice and access it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a holistic view of the person and, you know, the, the psychological, the physical, the, you know, socioeconomic, social, yeah. yeah, all of those things. And that's where we're missing. That's where the, this bridge has not been yet built is because we don't have a government or people in power that are seeing that Mm -hmm. holistic view that you're talking of Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so with all of that said the work that you're doing is so fucking needed because you guys are providing these services are free, right? Like yeah. you guys are a nonprofit organization. Yeah. So in your personal experience, what is like the demographic or the situation that most people who are seeking out your services are in? Because we were talking about this a little piper before we recorded, but there's so much propaganda around who is seeking abortion, why they're seeking abortion, what their moral beliefs are. Like it's often portrayed at least what i've seen that it's people that want to use abortion as birth control that have no regard for human life like i'm just saying like what the propaganda is that i've seen you know no regard for human life flippant careless lazy or irresponsible yes all of these things and in my experience, me and one out of three of my friends who have had abortions, that has not been their experience or their mindset about their abortion situation. I don't know one single person who wants to have an abortion. Yeah, so my I'm going to speak from my experience um, working as a hotline counselor for NAF. Um, the majority of people seeking abortions are people with families who already have children and they can't they don't have the financial means or the desire to have another child Mm -hmm. um and that's very inconvenient for the anti-abortion side Mm -hmm. um oh these 
you don't want to be a mother and you're so selfish. No, actually, I already have children and I know that if I were to bring another child into this world, I wouldn't be able to care for the children I already have yeah. in the way that I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you know, sometimes we I would speak to people on the hotline who would say like, well, I'm, I'm against abortion, but my situation is different. And in those situations, I would always try to like tease out like, well, tell me, tell me about your situation. Like what's leading you to make this choice? And it would be something like, you know, the man involved in the pregnancy is abusive or I don't know who it is and I don't want to raise a child alone. I don't have the money. I'm in college. Any of these things. And I would kind of gently say like, can you imagine that maybe there would be a lot of other people in similar situations to you who would be choosing abortion as well? Yeah. Um, and just trying to like, like gently break down the the narrative that it's like irresponsible yeah. people who don't want to take charge or don't want to care for their for themselves and their health and just like oh well it doesn't matter if I don't use birth control because I can just get an abortion right it's like actually birth control is really expensive right (laughs) totally it can it can be up to a hundred dollars a month if you have certain like um like if you have medical conditions that require that you need to take a certain type of birth control and there's only one of those types on the market, they can charge whatever they want. Right. So I find that most people accessing abortion that I've that I can speak to from my experience are people who don't have the resources to parent at that time and I've spoken to so many people who say I want to be a parent at some point it's not the right time which is Mm -hmm. actually an incredibly responsible decision incredibly responsible and you talk about people who are against the social safety net or against social services it's like well how well how do you want to make to have people not be accessing these services it's making them carry pregnancies to term and parent a child when they're 22 and they don't have a career and you know like yeah or is it allowing like allowing people to make the choice for themselves when is the right time for me to parent totally. when can I be the best possible parent that I can be mm-hmm. yep yeah and it comes back down to in a lot of ways I think that the separation of church and state which there is such a blurry line in our society with that because hearing you speak like it's almost as if the desire to not want to be a parent isn't enough oh no because you know what I mean how dare you that's so selfish yeah like for example I'll just speak about my own experience when I shared with my parents that I was pregnant I mean, I was met with, well, if you want to keep it, you can live with us. We can help you financially. Like, I personally wasn't in a place to care for a child, but because of my privilege, I did have access to the support. However, I didn't want to be a mom. The person that I had gotten pregnant by lived in another state. I was deep in the throes of addiction and alcoholism. 
I was at the time pre-med, so I had aspirations of going off and being a fucking orthopedic surgeon. Like, there were just so many things happening that made me want to make that decision. Um, And I just think it's very unfortunate that we're not at a place yet, even people who are pro-abortion, where sometimes addressing the fact that just not wanting to become a parent is enough of a fucking reason. Exactly. Because maybe, maybe you are a doctor and you're married to a lawyer and you have lots of money and you have all of like the resources that you would need to be a parent and you just don't want to. Right. That's fine. Right. And honestly, looking back, if I had gone through with that pregnancy, my life would be radically different. And honestly, the life of that child would have been pretty fucking tumultuous. Yeah. I don't know if I would have been able to get sober. Like, I don't, I definitely as sure as hell wouldn't have been doing the work that I'm doing now. Yeah, and it's like, this is, in my, like, in my understanding, like, what the anti-abortion movement is about is, like, children at all costs. Right. At mm. any cost. Mm. No matter what. Yeah. And that's where it's, it's like... Even at the demise of that children that has no fucking exactly. choice. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because for some of those people, it's... Better a live child in an abusive home <sighs> with, like, alcoholic parents than an abortion. Yeah. And that's where the quote-unquote pro-life label really starts to break down for me. Right. Absolutely. And that's how it also, it starts tying into control of women and people coded as women and where it starts to tie into capitalism either. Because yeah. it's like more workers right. make more workers right. at any cost. It right. doesn't matter their quality of life. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because that's how family structure began hundreds and hundreds of years ago is more people on the planet meant like a bigger family meant like you had more workers you would be more prosperous like Mm -hmm. all of those things Mm -hmm. but we've come to that tipping point as a society that that is no longer a thing and we, we aren't reproducing to for survival's sake well yeah and it's also it's like Medical care has gone has increased so much, you know, if you look back definitely a thousand years, but even like 200, 300 years, it's like our children are surviving past infancy. Right. So like mm-hmm. we don't need to try to get pregnant 11 times because right. only four of them are going to survive to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think particularly our generation, like this, you know, younger upcoming generation people who are in their late 20s 30s even early 40s hi (laughs) are like starting to kind of question the structure and create like a new mold like I was having Mm -hmm. this conversation with someone yesterday I was like I've really let go of this like societal pressure to be this certain way or get married at a certain age or ever or have children or not like it's, I really feel like our generation is forging a new path where that traditional family structure is kind of breaking down for all the reasons that we've kind of touched on. Well, yeah, and I think also, like, those are that kind of, like, the, all the reasons underneath the surface. And then I think our generation, too, is like, okay, so this is what we've been told is the way that it is done, but why? Yeah. <laughs> 
And once we start looking at why, it's like, we don't have to do that. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So what is a better word for pro-life? Because now that you've pointed that out, I like can't unsee that. Like it's so clearly propaganda and mm-hmm. like by me using it, I'm enforcing even in my own internalized stigma. Exactly. So like what is a better term for that? I say anti-abortion. Okay. Because that's what it's about. Right. Totally. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you got some really exciting news this morning about someone who is interested in being involved in your upcoming doula training program. Will you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I would love to talk about our training program. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to go too far into details for security reasons. Totally. Um, I would love to talk about our doula training program. Um, So we... We used to have this, like, we tried to come up with, like, a catchy name for it, and we called it Showing Up in Abortion Doula Training. And then this year, we're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Just call it an abortion doula training. Right. Um, so Colorado Doula Project has an annual training. It's two days, and we um, train people how to be abortion doulas, how to be support people for people accessing abortion. And um, it's two days, and we go over um, the basics of the different kinds of procedures. Um, I'm going to pull up the schedule. I can tell yeah. you exactly what we Hell yeah. talk about. So we, um, in the training, we go over, first of all, what is an abortion doula? Um, what's the scope of this practice? What do we do? What do we not do? Mm. Um, we talk about emotional labor and self-care as people who are in support roles. That's huge. Um, yeah, <laughs> big time. Um, this is a, a line of work in which it's really, really easy to burn out because the people who are drawn to this kind of work tend to be deeply caring, empathetic people. And so it's... And I got incredible amounts of vicarious trauma working on the hotline because I didn't know at that point that I was a highly sensitive person and I had no idea how to protect myself from the horrific things that I was hearing that people do to each other. Um, Mm. So we talk about emotional labor and self-care and um, we go over the medical basics of the different types of abortion procedures, um, specific regulations to Colorado. Mm. Um, one of the things that I'm really proud of um, our training for that I haven't seen in um, the other trainings that I've heard about is that we, as an organization, um, as a whole, it's one of our core values to be queer and trans affirming mm. because not everyone who has the capability to get pregnant is a woman. Totally. Mm-hmm. And so we fuck that's so important. Yeah. The visibility of that. Yeah. And especially because we are a queer led organization, most of our core organizers are queer. This is something that's non-negotiable yeah. mm-hmm. and will never change for yeah. the Colorado Doula project. Mm. And so in our training, we devote a whole section to how to use gender neutral pronouns, how to use gender neutral words to describe body parts and reproductive yeah. experiences. And what are the specific barriers to abortion care for trans and gender nonconforming people? Oh my gosh. 
And then we also talk about racial disparities in reproductive health and abortion care. Um, so the first day is pretty heavy. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, I like to say that the first day is the what of abortion and abortion care and abortion access. And then the second day is the how of mm-hmm. support. So we do um, one of the uh, exercises that our past participants have said has been most valuable is a values clarification exercise mm-hmm. where we have a list of like different types of situations you might come in um, contact with or like different people who could be accessing abortion and you have to rate how comfortable you are with each of these interesting and um so you know we have things on there like someone who um is actually anti-abortion and is getting an abortion someone who's super religious and is getting an abortion someone who's had 10 abortions already someone who doesn't use birth control and says that they're not interested in using birth control in the future um and we found that that's super important to kind of tease apart because that's that makes the work more sustainable and it also makes our doulas more effective because they can say this is a situation that I'm not the right person to support Mm -hmm. and I know someone from the training that I took who actually is super comfortable I'm going to refer you to this person Mm -hmm. wow so that is the clarification and networking because we say find someone who's super comfortable with something that you're unwilling to do and vice versa exchange contact information oh I love that And then we talk about physical support, Um, so like massage techniques or acupressure techniques to help someone if they are like having a medication abortion, which is really similar to a miscarriage um, and can be super painful. Um, We talk about um, like doula toolkits while you're supporting someone or aftercare kits um, to give to someone after their procedure. Mm. We have a long section on emotional support of like reflective listening and how to use supportive language. and then we introduce our abortion support network and we hope that we hope that um, the people who take our training want to continue to work with us and help out with the abortion support network, but it's not a requirement. Okay. Um, if someone wants to take the training because they want to incorporate this into their birth doula work or because right. they want to support their friends or they want to offer this service in their community in a different way, that's totally fine. We just... We think the more people who are capable of doing this, the better. It doesn't matter if they're working with us or in some other capacity. Mm. So do you guys as an organization help people access free, safe abortion? Is that like a part? Or if not, what are some resources for people that are out there? Yeah, so we definitely can help. um, By the time that most clients contact us, they already have appointments. Right. But we definitely can help someone find a clinic close to them we can help them navigate do I want a medication abortion or an in-clinic abortion um we it is our hope to um get a steady source of funding so that we can um provide a donation for every person who's accessing abortion lots of clinics have their own funds that they can dip into for this Mm -hmm. um there are different like standalone abortion funds throughout the country um some are are national like the national abortion federation and some are state or region specific um but we really hope to we have we have a pool of funds right now that's 100% community donated and we use that to help our current clients mm. um, but from a sustainability standpoint we really want to get a steady stream of funding so that we can mm. make sure that we have 
a sizable donation for every client who's seeking services, especially clients who are seeking abortions later in pregnancy Mm. where those procedures can cost $10,000 or more. Mm. They can cost more than $20,000. So, yeah, speaking on that late-term abortion, you know, touching on, as I touched on earlier, like the view or the stigma placed on people who are seeking abortion is like irresponsible, whatever, all those things that we talked about. Mm -hmm. The view of people who are getting late-term abortion, I think, can be even more severe. And as you and I were talking about earlier, like that is usually overwhelmingly so not the case. Like no one wants to have been carrying a child for eight months and then have to terminate. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah, so um, I've heard from um, some providers recently that we want to move away from the term late-term abortion okay. and into something like abortions later in pregnancy. Okay. Um, yeah, overwhelmingly, these are pregnancies that were planned or wanted that have been found to be incompatible with life, which means that they will not, that the babies would not survive birth or they would die soon after birth. Mm. And so this, it can be the worst thing that's ever happened to someone Mm. to have a wanted pregnancy that they then find isn't going to survive. And that's hard enough. And then to also have, oh, by the way, there's only four providers in the country that can do this procedure for you. Oh, by the way, the closest one to you is a thousand miles away. Oh, by the way, the appointment takes five days. Oh my God. So it's, it's so much. And so to then have protesters outside the clinic calling you a murderer, holding up pictures of miscarried babies, it's unimaginably cruel to people who are going through possibly the worst experience of their lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, and it's no one's goddamn business but the person who's going through it and their doctor. Mm -hmm. And and so this is why... (sighs) So um, there's a group in Colorado that just got the go-ahead to start collecting signatures to put a measure on the ballot to create a 24-week ban in Colorado, mm. a 24-week abortion ban. Um, so what, and the, you just clarify what that means? Yeah, so that would mean that in Colorado, you would not be able to provide pr- abortions past the 24th week of pregnancy. Yeah. And the language that this group is going to use is, we're just bringing Colorado into alignment with the rest of the, the laws around the country. Oh yeah, the rest of the restrictive laws around the country that aren't based on medical science. Right. Yeah, <laughs> wow. What's the ballot measure once more? Um, it's brand new. I don't know like what it's going to be called or anything, okay. but they're um, trying so to... Just be aware. Be aware. That yeah. this is a ballot that's going around. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm very curious, like, how have these people who are going out and, you know, creating these ballot initiatives and these abortion bans across the country, like, how are they getting around this Roe v. Wade? 
I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Roe v. Wade in 1973 established that there cannot be restrictions on abortion before the point of viability. And viability means the point at which a fetus is reasonably expected to be able to survive outside the womb. That's different for every single pregnancy. So it's hard to say at 24 weeks Mm. because that's not necessarily true. And then in 1992, there was a different Supreme Court case that was decided that was Planned Parenthood v. Casey. And that established um, the... Can't remember the word. Planned Parenthood v. Casey said that there can't be any undue burdens mm. on abortion access. And so that opened the door to a whole bunch of crap okay. because people can argue that a three day waiting period in between oh, an wow. ultrasound and the actual procedure is not an undue burden. Wow. They can argue that one clinic in the entire state is not an undue burden. Right. So like, what does that word even mean? Exactly. It's so vague. Yeah. So that's how mm. that's happening. Okay. Mm. Because of the term undue burden. Yes. That has opened the door to all of this fuckery. Yep. That and is that was so back wild. In wow. Mm-hmm. So, what does Colorado Doula Project, who do you support? And talk more about those specifics. What does it look like to come in and work with you all as a person you yeah. support? So um, we have been, our abortion support network has been on hiatus for a while, for about six months now as we've been restructuring the program. Um, and so when it's not on hiatus, um, usually people find us through our website. They might have Googled like abortion support. That's abortion how I found Colorado. you guys. Exactly. <laughs> it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then for clients who are, sometimes clinics will be aware of us. And if the person like calls and makes an appointment and asks about support, they might refer to us. Um, and then for, um, Clients who are coming from out of state usually to access a later term termination in Colorado, um, there are national organizations that help with funding their transportation and their hotel costs, and we have a really good relationship with one of those. And so as we've been on hiatus, we've still been accepting out-of-state clients coming to that clinic in in Colorado, Um, and usually they're coming from that organization, which is why it's so important to know what other groups are out there doing yeah. work mm-hmm. so that someone in North Dakota can say, oh, hey, I know the people who do this work in Colorado. Let me put you in touch with them. Right. Mm-hmm. So who is a good candidate? Because as we're talking about this, I can imagine, like, I've been wanting to take this training for ever. <laughs> um, I can imagine so many people that I know who, who are going to be interested in this. So who is a good candidate for this training and this work? And then how can they come to the training? Like, what are the dates? What does that look like? Yeah. So um, our next training is coming up very soon. It's October 5th and 6th. It's going to be in Denver. Um, it's 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. both days, and as of right now, we have four spots left. Damn. Yeah. 
Um, we do have a wait list. Um, so if you go to sign up and it's already full, go ahead and put yourself on the wait list because we have people who need to cancel or who can't come last minute. Um, and we also want so, so, so bad. Every year that we've put this training on, we've been like, we want to do this twice a year. And it's just something comes up every year and we can't do it. 2020 is going to be the year. Mark my words. <laughs> <laughs> so we're really hoping to have the next training at the latest by March of 2020. We're hopefully maybe even sooner. Um, but a good candidate for this training is anyone who feels called to be on the right side of history. Yeah. I mean, yeah. who um, wants, because there's there's kind of a macro and a, and a, and a micro way that you can look at this and the macro sense is like, oh, I want to be doing policy work. I want to be influencing state laws and restrictions around abortion. And then there's like, I want to support the actual individual person who's going through this. Yeah. And so if you're a person who feels called to that latter one of supporting people as they navigate this crazy obstacle course of accessing a basic medical procedure, right. <laughs> um, come check us out. Um, specifically our training, if, and I, this is a little disclaimer for the Colorado doula projects, abortion doula training is that we are a queer and trans affirming group. Our training is queer and trans affirming. We use gender neutral language to refer to pregnant people, to pregnant bodies, to reproductive experiences. Mm. And we will teach you how to do that as well. So if you don't know how to do that, that's totally fine. Yep. However, if you don't recognize the reality that not every single person who's capable of getting pregnant is a woman and you're unwilling to learn, our training is not the one for you. Yep. There are lots of other, maybe I won't say lots, there are other organizations around the country that are doing these trainings that might not have that same focus. Yep. And so I would happily encourage you to seek out other organizations if that if our queer and trans affirming stance is something that doesn't work for you. Mm. Yes, seeking a an abortion as a cis female was so fucking isolating and weird and difficult. I cannot even imagine if I did not identify as a cis female what yeah. that would look like and yeah. how alone and isolated I would have felt yep because the medical providers haven't caught up to it either right mm -hmm. and so what if you're a trans man who's gotten pregnant right. and you need to go access an abortion mm. <laughs> yeah yeah so can you just speak on that a little bit like what are I mean I can think of some but just to hear it from you like what are some of the barriers and how is visibility being increased for queer and trans people who are seeking these services yeah I mean the barriers are similar to the same barriers that exist for trans and gender non-conforming people accessing any type of medical services right. it's uninformed practitioners is the main thing and that's not only psychologically damaging that can be physically and medically damaging as well yeah if a medical provider doesn't understand someone's body mm -hmm. 
they're not going to understand the right way to treat it. Mm-hmm. So that's like the physical, mental, the physical, um, medical side of it. And then you get into the psychological and emotional damage that can come from being constantly misgendered during an appointment that can come from being outright laughed at by staff is just it's enormous Mm -hmm. and you know when I the last I left a Planned Parenthood the last Planned Parenthood clinic that I worked at in gosh 2015 and they were starting to um like implement starting to do trainings for staff and implement like gender neutral language and um like just changing the forms and like the um, who gets which fo- like which intake form um, yeah. and so I'm I'm optimistic yeah. that we're moving in the right direction but the question is like how long is it going to take and how many people are going to be harmed in before exactly before the medical profession catches up to the reality of the people that they're treating right mm-hmm. oh I'm so grateful that there's an organization like you like holding this up and increasing visibility because it's so fucking important mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and so say I'm I'm listening right now and I am pro-abortion but I don't necessarily want to take this training what are some other ways that I can be an active participant in keeping the rights that we have now and continuing to keep the rights that we have now and to support people who are seeking abortions? How can I help? Yeah. Um, so I guess I can answer that in like a general sense and then in like a Colorado doula project specific sense. Yeah. I'll do that one first. Um We are always looking for people to come work with us. And by work, I mean volunteer. Um, We are a completely volunteer-run organization. Um, And if you don't want to be an actual abortion doula, if you don't want to be interfacing with clients, but say you have administrative experience, we want you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can get in touch with us at our website, which is coloradodoulaproject.org. Doula is D-O-U-L-A. You can email us us at info at coloradodoulaproject.org. We're pretty active on Facebook and Instagram. We're Colorado Doula Project on both of those. Um, So if you are listening to this and you're like I'm ready how do I get involved get in touch with us Mm. Um, if you are like one of those four remaining spots in the training is mine I know it um, you can email us and we will send you the registration link Um, and then as far as more generally how do you support I would say You know, I think it it's about being vocal in your communities. And, you know, if there's someone who you're talking to who says something about abortion that you don't agree with, if it's safe and available for you to speak up and say, actually, I disagree with that, or actually, that's not true, or actually, that's bullshit propaganda, right? however you want to say it, <laughs> um, normalizing the fact that like people get abortions and it's not shameful it doesn't have to be shameful right it's a normal part of medical care and um 
Because mm. I find that even in the on the pro-abortion side, and this is tied into what we talked about earlier of like we're kind of on the defensive, is like we don't say the word abortion. Right. Yeah. A pregnancy termination. Right. It's ending a pregnancy or it's a procedure. Abortion is not a dirty word. Yeah. So like that's a really small way that you can help normalize it is just use the mm. word abortion when you're talking about abortion. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oof, I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so I need to ask you one last question. <laughs> As a deep lover of Planned Parenthood and deep supporter of Planned Parenthood. I just like am in love with them as an organization and everything that they do. Um, are they safe? Because I am in constant fear of them being shut down. So as someone who's worked for them and knows more intimately than I like about the status of their, you know, their organization, like can we kind of relax and know that Planned Parenthood isn't going anywhere or do we need to like take immediate action and do all the things to keep this organization around? No, we can't relax. Okay. So the most recent um, Planned Parenthood related news is that, um, and I want to take my time here, I want to make sure I'm being factually correct. Mm -hmm. So, um, there's this thing called title 10 funding Mm -hmm. and that's federal funding for uh things like mammograms cancer screenings birth control all things that planned parenthood all things that planned parenthood does and testing and testing Mm -hmm. so reproductive health Mm -hmm. sexual health services planned parenthood so also i want to say um there's like a national planned parenthood but the individual clinics of Planned Parenthood are actually separate organizations. Like Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts is a totally separate organization from Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains. They essentially lease the name Planned Parenthood from the national organization in return for meeting certain standards. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So um, lots of Planned Parenthood clinics are able to provide free or low-cost sexual health services because of Title X funding. Okay. 45's administration recently said that any, any entity that receives Title X funding cannot provide abortions. Mm-hmm. And so what a lot of clinics have done is said, fuck you, yeah. we'll never stop providing abortions, wow. we won't take your money. Wow. Which is huge because that's a huge source of money that allows for so much of these vital health services to be affordable for people so Planned Parenthood needs money yeah once you start knowing the nitty-gritty of what's going on it's utterly terrifying um so no Planned Parenthood is under constant attack they're under constant attack of being defunded like this in other ways um And now, I will say that, like, there's there's a very strong fuck you spirit (laughs) in Planned Parenthood of, like, no. Like, you can't 
you can't fuck with us. Right. We're still here. Right. The, I saw, there was, um, I think in Missouri, they're trying to shut down the last abortion clinic, which is a Planned Parenthood. Wow. And they put a giant banner on the side of their building that said, we're still open. Yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on the one hand, like, Planned Parenthood's going to fight like hell. Yeah. And on the other hand, we have to join the fight. We need to step up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And this so isn't think... something that's just happening in Ohio or Florida or Missouri or Mississippi. It's everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to try to come to Colorado. It's going to mm-hmm. try to come to New York. It's going to try to come to California. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can't just sit back and wait for that to happen because it'll be too late. Totally. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That is, I think, a big, like, that's kind of like the distillation of all of this. It's like it's personal. Yeah. It's about and us. It's political. It's the about, personal is yeah. political. Yep. Mm-hmm. And But it's like it affects us. It affects our friends. It affects our family. Like it's something that's happening right here, right, right in front now. of us. Mm-hmm. And it's it's something we need to see. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing in yeah. the world we need you yeah and we need your voice and sharing this message and you know i didn't know the colorado doula project existed until you know setting this up so now i know and i just learned so much and i hope that everyone listening just learned so much and feels empowered to Use the word abortion. Yeah. And support Planned Parenthood. Support Colorado Doula Project. Um, you know, use your voice and stand up for these rights. Or maybe start thinking about something if something feels sticky inside of you. Maybe you heard something here that you can challenge yourself on to think in a different way. Yeah. Is there a way that you can open your eyes and your mind and think about somebody's situation in a different way and show up with more compassion and empathy and understanding for um, all of the different lives that we live as individuals and how would you want to be treated if you were in a situation like one of, you know, like one third of the, the um, <laughs> femme identifying or non identifying to yeah. um, people in this world or feel going through this medical procedure. Mm. Yeah. And that's one last thing I want to, kick in there is one of the main things that I learned working on the hotline is if I don't understand the choices that someone is making it's because I'm missing a piece of context of their lives Mm -hmm. wow and so I might say I don't understand how anyone could possibly get an abortion at 20 weeks well once you know that first trimester abortions up to 13 weeks cost between 300 and 600 dollars and then the price goes up every week after that and that someone has been frantically fundraising trying to get that much money they finally have the 600 dollars they go in for their appointment their ultrasound says they're 14 weeks now their appointment's 800 dollars. right they have to raise 200 more dollars in a week right now they're at 15 weeks now they're at 17 weeks and they're just chasing the price oh my god so if I don't understand the choices that someone's making about their life, I'm missing context mm. of what their life is like. Ooh, that's huge. Yeah, I love that. I think we can take that lesson 
out into all aspects of yeah that's not just about abortion care yeah Yeah, everything yeah there's so much nuance and if you just take the time to slow down and listen yeah will you drop again the contact info for yourself and for colorado doula project so that people can find you guys yes our website is coloradodoulaproject.org we are on Facebook and Instagram at Colorado Doula Project. You can email us at info at coloradodoulaproject.org. You can email me specifically at Piper, P-I-P-E-R, at coloradodoulaproject.org. Beautiful. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank and you. And just one Thank last you. time, the dates for the upcoming training. Dates for the upcoming training are 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. October 5th and 6th in Denver, limited spots still available if you if one of them is yours don't hesitate to get in touch with us and we'll get you registered you won't be disappointed you guys yeah thank you so much for being here today thanks for having me thank you and your words and the work you do and being here in this world advocating for all of us semi-identifying humans 